Hi Bucketeers, we're starting this episode with an announcement slash request. We've decided to make our November episode this year a compilation episode made up of you, our listeners, sharing your answers to our bucket questions. So, if you would like to be featured, please record yourself answering any or all of the questions we ask each of our guests. What fills up your bucket? When do you notice your bucket filling up? When do other people notice? What happens when your bucket overflows? And what empties your bucket? Send your answers ideally in an MP3 or MP4 format to dropinthebucketpod at gmail.com by the end of September. If you would prefer to write your answers anonymously and have me or Sarah record them, then that's fine as well. Just send them written down via the email or social media. Thanks very much. Hi everyone and welcome back to A Drop in the Bucket. This is a podcast about mental well-being where we use the analogy of a stress bucket to think about what affects our mental health and what helps us to cope and feel well. We are a primary school teacher and a clinical psychologist who love talking to people about their experiences and we want to share these conversations with you. Hi Sarah. Hi Becca, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing alright. I forgot to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I didn't have an awful lot of sleep last night. Actually, in the interest of emotional honesty, um, pretty stressful time at the moment with building work. Mm. Um, an awful lot in my mind. Mm. Mental load, very big. Uh, mental to-do list, very big. Actual to-do list, very big. Um, and every once in a while, I've, I'm quite lucky, I've never really struggled with my sleep generally, but uh, every once in a while when I get really stressed, I have a night where I just can't get to sleep for hours and mm. it's unbelievably frustrating. So anybody who does struggle with sleep and insomnia on a regular basis, oh, my heart goes out to you. It's it's tough. Um, I'm not sure how I'm still going at nine o'clock at night. But um, you are. But, but I am. I just don't answer how I'm doing. I just ask you other questions. Um, but yeah. So we recently spoke to Ellie and Georgina, who are just spectacular mm. otherwise known as Aldous duo and we met them um through Tom and Joe Brassington and the work around bottled um because they've uh, created wonderful music to go alongside it we did the book launch with them um and we ended up having dinner with them afterwards and just getting to know them a bit better we thought this is a story to tell mm. yes and obviously Tom and Joe had spent more time with them mm. leading up to the book launch um and they both said to us you you've got to have these girls on the podcast like they are fantastic and they've yeah they've really got a story to tell and they are so they are so passionate about this work and it was it was really really nice to get um an opportunity to chat to them a bit more I did end the call though feeling like it could have been a good three or four hours longer yes <laughs> but I think it was lovely as well I was reflecting I think it's only the second time that we've had a friendship duo on I think Bethany and Jess would have been yes. the other one and there was something really lovely about um seeing their friendship and seeing how that works um together to support each other and interact and balance each other out and just being very grateful for our own friendship so oh um, <laughs> I think that was really beautiful um 
for fun, um, as you're about to listen uh, to this podcast, if you want to get a beverage of some kind and just take a sip for every time we say the word bottled, (laughs) I think would be a fun game for you. You might well need the toilet by the end. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're on about yet, when we talk about bottles. Where have you been? Yeah. Oh, guys. Um, Just check out our social media or Google bottled book um, Tom and by Tom and Joe Brassington is Amazon bestseller it is isn't it yeah um they we made them didn't we they weren't they weren't bestsellers before they came on our podcast now they are that's what happens when you come on our podcast just saying yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) we can make you stars (laughs) this has taken quite the turn I think we should introduce (laughs) I'm going to go to bed but for now (laughs) enjoy All is duo, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We will start as always with your icebreakers. So first of all, we're going to ask you, what is your favourite way to relax? So for me, probably, well, either reading a good book or, um, I mean, I love exercise. So going on a run is a good way to relax for me. The park is just outside my flat. So just spending some time outside. That's oh, my lovely. go-to, my three top, my top three. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of going for a top three, similar kind of vein. Um, chocolate is quite often <laughs> involved, I must say. <laughs> Love a good bit of dark chocolate. Or just heading outside for a walk. Um, Georgina and I live very, very close to each other. Um, so I also have the park right outside where I live too. And it's just glorious just to get out and just clear your mind a little bit. And also just spending time with friends and family is really my shut off. Um, I kind of, I like to separate the two. I think that's quite a natural divide for me. So when I'm with my friends and my family, I'm really there. And then other times it's, you know, my time or work time. Awesome. What was your favorite TV show as a child? That's a good question. Tracy Beaker, I'm just going to go with what came straight to my head. (laughs) Tracy Beaker, for some reason, just came. I just used to love that. (laughs) Excellent shout. Classic. Um, I think, again, straight to my mind, I used to love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. I recently rediscovered it, as in it was rerunning on a a channel, like E4 or something, at like 7am. And so I set it to record and I was re-watching. I was like, this was a cracking show. Yeah, and I was always, a, I'm, I'm a big reader, and I remember going to, maybe somewhere in Bradford, because I'm from up north, um, to find, because um, they did a book series as well, and they were all numbered, and it was different stories, each one, to find, like, a copy of, like, the very first book, and we went to this, like, second-hand bookshop in the middle of nowhere um, to find it, um, and we did, which was amazing. <laughs> big fan. Oh, I love that feeling, when you've got a few books in a series, and you happen to come across one that you don't already have, it's a real moment of joy and triumph isn't it mm-hmm. I was like it with the babysitters club books but there were like 120 or something of them so um yeah chances were you'd find one you didn't have <laughs> and what is something you really want to learn mm, uh Welsh for me I feel more and more now because so Ellie and I moved to Cardiff for our master's two years ago and, and we're both going to stay and we're both working um, in, we're teaching our own instruments. I play the guitar, Ellie plays the flute. Um, and yeah, Welsh, I think, just being able to 
to use some words at least. I just feel so embarrassed that I can't speak any languages and it would just be great to incorporate that into my day-to-day life. <laughs> I think for me, I want to be better at stopping and having space. I'm not very good at linking to the relaxing question at stop. George, I'll tell you this. I am <laughs> terrible, terrible um, at creating that space. When I do have it, I'm really good at switching off, but making time for that, um, especially now coming out of studying and doing a master's and working alongside that, I think just carving out that time is something I definitely want to be better at. I'm not very good at that innately. Hmm. Okay, here are your quick five. Musical podcasts. You go first. I love Help, I Sexted My Boss. <laughs> I saw them um, in Bristol and they were really great. Big fan. But this is supposed to be quick fire. Oh yeah, quick fire. Uh, <laughs> so oh, music. oh, music's just so hard because it, it's just so... I'm actually really struggling. I'm feeling I've got, my heart rate is increasing. Oh, Do most God. people answer this really quickly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> um, which do you prefer generally? Um, I think generally I listen to m- music. I'd say that, okay, at the moment, Ferris and Sylvester I'm listening to. Um, I can't think of anything else. You don't have to name them. You can just say whether it's music or podcasts. Oh, right. <laughs> you wanted exactly. Oh, gosh. We need to listen, George. <laughs> this is going to be the longest episode we've ever done. All of these quick five are just either or, just pick one or the other. Music. <laughs> music. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Carry That's on. okay. Definitely <laughs> I've got to come up with five podcasts. Oh, bless you. Oh, to be fair, I that can makes see sense. how you, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, like I apologise. And I don't oh. know musical podcasts. Yeah. I was like, I what? only know, like, yeah. Oh, okay, right. Can no, I... it's fine. I apologise. I clearly didn't explain that very well. <laughs> um, okay, for long journeys, driving or public transport? Public transport. Driving. Mm. Phone call or text? Phone call. Text. Nice car or nice home? Nice home. Nice home. And then the the dividing question. Jaffa cake, is it a cake or a biscuit? Cake. Biscuit. I know that's wrong. But it just (laughs) not. No, it's not. Oh, is that the right one? No. That's the right one for me. This the the last question is always one that divides me and Sarah. So um yeah. (laughs) It's a cake. It's literally in the name, Jaffa cake i do i do because i love baking so i do really appreciate and understand the cake argument but just back to being a child it's it was that in the place of the biscuit in a lunch selection meal for me yeah Yeah. there's there's the wonderful thing about this is there's logic on both sides and it doesn't matter how often how much you try and persuade someone in the other camp they're just not going to switch it's this is going all over again, isn't it? This is this is beyond rationality. It's a deep feeling. It's a sense of just what's right in the world mm. um, that you just can't explain. We we ask the big questions on this podcast. Mm. Yeah. Now into something a little bit more superficial. All right. So, girls, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your experience of mental health? <laughs> the light um, stuff, you know. Um, hello, I'm Georgina. And I'm Ellie. And we are the Aulist duo, a flute and guitar duo uh, living in South Wales. 
we met um, in 2020 at a point during the pandemic and we couldn't see each other in person for a really long time and now we can't get rid of each other. <laughs> Shall I go or do you want to go? You can go. Um, experience of mental health, well mental health for me has actually been quite a big part of my growing up because my dad actually suffered from depression and which was obviously not always that easy but um, one of the things that I've found um, that has been really um, like an important part I suppose of like me growing up and learning about mental health is that he, he was always sort of like very spoken about so he wasn't a hundred percent and we always he was always very open about it and my mum was always very open about it and it's just something as a family that we kind of went through together I suppose um, so although some very difficult moments, mental health as a general topic, depression probably being the main, the biggest thing we talked about and then expanding on that as a family has always been a very open discussion. Um, and he actually, as a result of sort of going through his own experiences, actually then went on to study um, psychotherapy as the master thing. So he has done a lot of studying sort of around the topic which again we've talked about at home and although I suppose you could say that in there maybe there's been too much talk on the topic because sometimes you don't want to be trying to like psychoanalyze everything that's going on I suppose that's something that can be a little bit challenging but overall my general experience has been really positive because it's helped me and allowed me to be able to learn how to reflect on my own sort of emotions how things are going on during the day I'd say that I as a human being have always been quite an anxious soul I suppose I've always taken things quite seriously or worried about lots of different things I'd say so I'm able to sort of um, acknowledge different things speak to people about it as we've always talked and just been very open so I'd say that um, it's just a, a sort of I suppose what's been quite difficult at times has been quite a positive journey for me um, where being open, speaking to people, friends, family and being there for people, um, understanding what my dad went through has helped me be sort of empathetic towards other people who have been dealing with the same or similar situations, understanding that it's sort of something that we always just all need to be learning about, talking about, being there for people. Yeah, that would be my story. <laughs> And for me, um, in my early childhood, until I was about a teenager, there was a huge um, understanding of physical health because my mum has physical ill health and always has. Um, and so that was something that I really understood. But I think mental health as a concept didn't really sort of enter my stratosphere until I was about a teenager when I had um, a close friend who he really struggled and had mental ill health and and I definitely became more aware of it then and I you know I've seen other friends um have experiences with mental health in different ways since then and I have also had moments where it's been more challenging for sure definitely over the last couple of years that's been the most intense probably for me that it's ever been and things are definitely have improved a lot um and understanding how how mental health is is always there and it's it's not something that we just have some of the time it's not something that comes and goes ebbs and flows we have mental we have a mental health all the time 
Mm. And I've definitely come to understand that more in in recent years and discovering bottled, which I mean, how far did we get before mentioning the <laughs> um, and the concept of emotional honesty, like George, m- me and my family, we've always been very, very open and we've talked about everything and checked in a lot. Um, so that concept wasn't new to me, but just it, the concept of emotional honesty in the way that Tom and Joe talk about it, that has, definitely impacted my life and my relationships in a really positive way and I think has really empowered me in how I feel and talk about mental health. I think what you said there about actually both of your families have always been quite open you've always felt like you're quite able to talk about this within your families that's so important because in order for these conversations to feel comfortable but also in order for these conversations to feel normal you need buy-in from everybody really don't you you can't kind of start thinking I like talking about this I want to be open about my I think it's normal to have conversations about mental health and then have other people in your immediate circles who shut that down either who don't want to engage with that or who just yeah just don't even mean like make fun of you for it but just kind of like roll their eyes every time you start talking about it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah And I think navigating mental health, it's a process as well. Um, You know, in this day and age, we understand it more and we have that knowledge and openness about it. But you don't just wake up one morning and go, I can talk about my mental health. I understand my mental health. Um, It's a process that keeps, you know, transforming throughout throughout your whole life or certainly my life up until this point. And I hope it it continues to do so. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And I think we've certainly reflected on the podcast before that actually mental health isn't a new thing. Like it's been around for a long time. I just think we've got better at having vocabulary around it and being able to kind of identify it and name what it is and have the validation to talk about it um, more openly. And like you said, like that is really like, that's how we all got to know each other was through bottles and kind of being able to teach children how to do that so it starts from the very beginning but I think that actually us as a society getting better at talking about mental health has helped how we talk about physical health as well because even though we I think there is generally a a better appreciation for the fact that yes you know we all have physical health and you can see how your physical health is affected in small as well as big ways I still think there's a big culture of you know, there's certain things that it's all right to talk about, like you being tired, (laughs) but there are other, or, you know, when you've got a cold or when you've got COVID, but there are other things that people genuinely just expect you to push through or that people still don't want to talk about. There's a lot of stigma around certain physical health conditions as well. And, And I think that because physical health and mental health are so interlinked that having a bit more permission and a bit more language around the mental health side of things does help with being able to say, actually, I I know when I need to say that I physically can't do something. I know when I need to rest. I need. I know when I need to not go out or exercise on an injury, actually, especially for people for whom that's a big part of their identity or their jobs. Um, and I, I think they are so interlinked and the, the better we get at talking about one side, the better we're going to get talking about the other. And I do, I have found that, um, I don't know, I just generally, I feel around just my own friendship groups um, and stuff, whether it's just comes with growing up and getting older, I don't know, or whether, because I don't may, but I just feel like generally we are having way more open conversations and also just being kinder to ourselves and to each other. Um, generally speaking if you, I don't know I just feel like there's just a 
greater understanding for as but yeah both mental and physical because i mean the thing is physical physical um can have a huge impact on your mental health. I mean, I said at the beginning about my broken ankle, um, just at the beginning before we started pressing record, and that for me, not being able to go for a walk or a run at the moment hasn't been all that easy. And I've tried to, and particularly at the beginning of my um, of the broken ankle, I felt really low and not very good at all. And I've tried to like really think about some of the positives, like actually there's now more space in my day where I can be playing my guitar a bit. I've been able to learn a bit more of this. I've actually done some good sleeping because usually I'd be getting up early to, so you know, there's some real positives from it. Um, but um, yeah, that link between the two um, definitely feels like a, a thing. And you speak mm. about kindness there um, and something that I've been really working on more recently is speaking to yourself like you would a friend. It's really hard, really hard, but it reframes everything. Like my self-talk for so many years was absolutely horrendous mm. um, and you know it, it got better as I realised that's what was happening but now I really try and have that kindness like if I was speaking to George or someone because I think it's really easy to think as well that that means that you're almost trying to excuse some behavior so you've got to be really tough on yourself because that's how that's how things get done and that's how the world works but I think kindness really needs to start with yourself because then how can it how can it expand from you if if that's not what you're trying to do to yourself and that's definitely something that I'm trying to work on and improve. Mm. One of our um, friends and previous podcast guests, Christy, paraphrased a story that came from an actress who was talking about the fact that she was sat in the makeup chair one day with her like regular makeup artist, kind of going like just really down on herself, kind of going, oh, I've managed to do this and I hate how I look about this. And oh, and of course I overreacted because of da da da. And her friend, her makeup artist went, don't talk about my friend like that. And it was like, because she was, and she suddenly went, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm talking about myself in the way that I wouldn't talk about a friend. And that you um, wouldn't actually put up with anybody else talking about you. No, about, uh, yeah, or about one of your friends. So, mm. um, and I think actually you're right, that kind of um, being able to talk about ourselves in a, in a better way. Um, but interesting, I, I was just reflecting on what you said, George, about um, as you get a bit older and it becomes maybe a bit easier to talk about things with your friends or you have those more open conversations. I was reflecting on the conversation we had with Callum in our June podcast where he was talking about um young people and identity and particularly around sort of the LGBTQ community and but also just about as, as a teenager trying to navigate who you are in the world mm. and I think as you get older your 20s I think are really that time where you start to be a bit more comfortable with who you are and who you want around you and mm. what your identity is and it's not that that's ever fixed or solved like it continues to grow but I certainly think it's the time where you start kind of being a bit more comfortable with going this is who I am and I'm going to share that with the people in my life and either they accept me and I keep them in my life or they don't and I don't want them in my life um, whereas I think as a teenager you get so you all you want is friends and all you want is approval and to feel comfortable with others around you that actually um it's easier to kind of push that stuff down I think but also in a good way I think in your 20s and then definitely in your 30s your social circles get smaller 
like when you're at school you are just surrounded like however many friends you would say you have you were just surrounded by your peers and there's a lot of them and then you go to university a lot of the time and again you are surrounded by your peers and there's a lot of them and you don't have control over who they're and yes you don't always have control over who you live next to or who you work with but those circles get smaller and you do end up having a lot more control about who you spend your social time with I think and and like Sarah said yeah you start to think in a different way about what you want that to be and I think that that's really nicely linked to what you said actually Ellie about if you are if, if the nature of your friendships change if how you are if how you speak to your friends if how open you are with your friends is getting diff- is is changing how you then would speak to a friend is changing and therefore how you think about speaking to yourself is going to change because again it's very easy to to try and reassure and speak kindly to friends but be basically just giving a lot of platitudes or you know oh good vibes only let's think positively oh don't worry about that let's go out um and and there's good intentions behind all of that but that isn't actually how you would speak to that friend in that moment when what you're wanting is compassion um so as those friendships develop I think that that's going to help yourself talk as well I don't know whether you'd agree yeah definitely and I totally think as well that as you say it's not always just having those sorry it's not always being you know overly positive all the time sometimes you know with friends you do need to be very real and particularly depending on the type of friendship give those hard truths sometimes but it's not complete deprecation yeah and you know Un- unpleasantness you know it all stems from a place of love and mm. you know and friendship and kindness and that it's a balancing act I think which I discover more, more the, the older I get yeah well this is like compassion there's there's a lot of myths around what compassion actually is and it, it is like kindness but it's a bit more than kindness um and like you said I think one of the biggest barriers to a lot of people being self-compassionate is exactly what you said earlier about like almost I can't allow myself that because then I'm letting myself off the hook I'm giving myself an easy time and I need to keep myself on track or stuff won't get done and actually compassion is around like genuine like perspective genuine perspective um allowing yourself to be human and to make mistakes but also absolutely holding yourself accountable and knowing what's your responsibility and and that is again what what good friendships and good relationships are but they take enormous amounts of time to build like there are people in my life who I would allow to challenge me and there are people who could say exactly the same thing and be exactly correct and I would not take it well from them at all um you need to build that trust yeah so thinking about moving towards our bucket analogy and the idea that um we are all different and stress fills our buckets up um in different ways um what are some of the things that add stress to your buckets I think like making sure that my timetabling and all of my stuff for work because I'm freelance well we've just finished our masters but both Ellie and I have been um working alongside our masters um and we 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 are now moving into sort of being full-time freelance and so like Ellie sort of um reflected on a little bit at the beginning about trying to make time for yourself is like this thing of really loving work I do and trying to make sure that I'm doing all of the good the work and that it all fits in and that some but then sometimes other stuff pops in and I have to then shuffle that around and potentially let that person let that person down and then I've got to change the thing and all basically I hate letting people down I really like to be open about what's happening and making sure that I'm not 
you know, I don't know, I think I have a bit of a letting people down and making sure that my timetable works and then also having a bit of time for myself is probably where a lot of my brain stuff goes. Um, my bucket gets fuller and fuller in those situations. I was just wondering whether that's actually letting people down or fear of letting people down and thinking you've let people down because I completely as soon as you said that I'm like yes that's a big one for me and yeah. I know that 90% of the time no one would be let down it's it's me putting high like pressure and high standards on myself it's completely that it's almost like I feel like I have this little well like this sort of chimp complex the chimp thing which is sort of almost being that net I think of all the worst things that that person who I'm potentially letting down, even though it's not an intentional thing where I'm trying to be mean to, you know, it's not like I'm being rude or horrible to someone. It's just that this thing has popped up, which means I'm just going to have to slightly rejuggle that week. And that's just what being a freelance musician is. But it's that thing of like, I put in my mind, I'm thinking of all of things that they would be thinking of me as a human being that I'm this terrible person I mean it's all I when you speak out loud you do realize how silly it is and actually um Ellie and I we were having a chat the other day because I'd seen um your um one of your stories where you'd said about um um how when you like when somebody asks in a room, are you free to do this or something? Do you remember you saying that? And how the, um, that thing of feeling like that person is directly asking you yes. and you don't want to let them down when actually they're, they're just asking a room full of people. They're not being direct to you. And if they really want you, they have to. So I actually said, because we were getting a we bit, because we were trying to work out ago. all of our arts dates for the summer the dates um and that was one of the things I was saying you know we can't be these people who every time something comes up we feel like we have to do it otherwise we are therefore a bad person or that we've really let them down or that um yeah so that was actually very helpful and timely you um, oh good very much (laughs) I I really have found that there were kind of and again this is for me and people who may be a bit are a bit people please you like me um the first step is kind of not volunteering for stuff when it isn't clearly directed at you. Um, and the second step is learning how to say no to things. And the third step is learning how to say no to things and giving no justification for why you're saying no. So I, f- I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm really good at saying bounds. I'm really good at saying no to things. But what I do is I say no because of all these other reasons. So I really need you to understand that I can't possibly say yes, really, because I've got other commitments elsewhere. and I don't want to let other people down and that wouldn't be fair. And what I really need to learn to do is to just say, no, I can't do that. Or no, I don't want to do that. And that is absolutely enough. And it's other people's job to accept that not my job to make them comfortable with that and I'm saying that in a really confident way and I can already feel every little bone in my body going don't do that that's horrible because it's me it feels so uncomfortable but it's how you learn that it's okay for you to to hold those boundaries but that is as you were saying earlier I never want to stop learning that is my ongoing never-ending journey and the thought of that is absolutely terrifying I can feel like my heart I know it is it's so jo- difficult Georgina and I are very similar in that respect <laughs> yeah. so we really have to be quite se- get our sensible heads on uh, and um, help yeah. each other <laughs> I'm much more selfish than the rest of you <laughs> I w- if people ask me as in like I, I want to feel special so if someone wants me to do something because it's me that's how they get me but otherwise I don't feel bad 
if like about saying no to stuff or cancelling stuff Becca's always said this about me I'll happily just go no I can't do it or yeah I know we booked to do that but I'm actually I actually can't but then you you sense check that with me so sometimes yeah, I I just occasionally Sarah will go is this like is this selfish or is this unreasonable or talk me in or out of this and then other times Sarah's been you know amazing for me and just encouraging me to take that time for myself so I think sometimes it's amazing to have friends who are very similar and get you and sometimes you need friends who are just opposite in some key ways so that you learn how to value both of those traits don't you we find that a lot obviously we're a a musical duo but very good friends as well and quite often in a few different respects we sort of catch the other one and kind of balance each other out so I think sometimes I particularly can jump in and really be like yes we have to do this because it's come in and that's this person needs us and wants us to do this thing whereas George can be a bit more level-headed in that very particular moment and go well let's think about the actual thing but that's only come from time that. because of my thing with the time <laughs> because I'm trying to make the count sometimes I sit there looking at my calendar and Annie's like stop looking at your calendar yeah. <laughs> she knows that it winds her up she's like so many times she said to me I feel like my calendar is getting more and more wound up well why stop it, what you see in front of you is not going to change <laughs> Okay, so why does that fill up your bucket then, do you think, George? I think that it's it, it does always boil down to... I think being, doing music and stuff is just one of the best things. I love it. Um, and so much of it, you get such a like fantastic joy out of like working so closely with your friends, performing, connecting with audiences and stuff. But there's also an element of, like, what if you don't play well? What if you make a fool of yourself? Um, what if because you've got this, 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 and this that you want to do. I think it's because because wearing so many different hats, if you're like teaching one day or, or with our masters, being a student the next day, and then, oh my goodness, there's a performance. Oh, and then we're playing in a masterclass that day. It's just that thing of, oh, how am I going to actually do this? But it always boils down to, I don't want to make a fool of myself. And the reality is, is that one of the things I have learnt over the last two years and which Ellie has really helped me um, on is that actually we haven't made a fool of ourselves um, <laughs> yet um, and actually and just relaxing into the fact and I feel like um, I kind of work with this sort of little truth box thing and building these little things which give me confidence and knowing that I can trust myself with my with my own playing and performance and stuff and um over the last two years we definitely have like put lots into that truth box and I think I am relaxing now a lot more like I'm not as stressed about the dementia <laughs> workshop that we're doing in July yeah, as whereas three months ago I would have been like but Ellie we haven't sorted out like how are we gonna whereas now I think ah it'll be fine so I do think that I think I'm working on it but it will always be something um it's that letting myself and other people down is it's, it's really interesting what you say there about trusting yourself I've reflected on this a, a lot in that as musicians what we do is so tied up in our sense of self and self-worth um, particularly when I was a bit younger and maybe doing my, my first degree if I had a bad practice day or what I perceived to have not gone very well or been successful I would feel like a horrendous human being and that I you know, I, I was an awful person, what did I have to offer the world? And that sounds really dramatic, but you know, a lot of us, I mean, I started playing the flute when I was seven. That's a, a long time for ideas to really fester and sit in 
a brain before you can question them because you're not at that stage in your development as a human being yet. And so much of what we do is tied up in that sense of self that it's stepping away from that as much as possible, which is tricky, that now I can separate the art from the person. Mm. And that's really, really important. I was going to say, I was really reflecting actually, in that kind of performance space, you are opening yourselves up exactly who you are. I think Beck and I are both in a way quite fortunate that we work in jobs where we can put a sort of professional hat on and put a bit of distance between our personal lives and the people that we're working with like they don't necessarily need to know our deep souls <laughs> and whereas I guess when you're sharing art that is flows out of your soul and your heart and actually to put try and make that boundary must be quite difficult yeah that being vulnerable and vulnerability is probably something that we've reflected on as a pair mm. I think a lot particularly in recent months and you know it is a joy as George said, we absolutely yeah, we do adore love it. <laughs> what we do. And I would not be me without it. Mm. But it also can be a curse. And mm. that's kind of a double-edged sword of why it is so brilliant. And those moments that there is such joy and it's so heightened, the adrenaline and things just happen and you can do things more than you ever thought you could. But then to balance that, there's times when you just want to leave it in its case for <laughs> a little while. <laughs> So what about your bucket, Ellie? My bucket, um, I think it stems a lot from control for me, which means that it isn't necessarily just one thing that fills it up. Um, if I feel that I'm not in control, I don't have a handle on a specific situation, then I feel that my bucket is getting more and more full. And whether that's due to time constraints and lots of things coming in, um, and that I maybe feel like I should be able to do something that actually isn't practical or is just not there in my skill set at that moment, then I think that's what gets me. Mm, totally get that. I have a lot of the stress that I was experiencing today was 100% because of things that I can't control. Um, sometimes it's things that you know that you can't control, that you're never going to be able to control and nobody possibly can control. Um, but then sometimes there are things that it feels like you should be able to control whether or not that's true. Um, and for me, it's a frustration of, again, maybe that's kind of some magical thinking where I, I, I still could never ever control that, but I feel like I should be able to somehow, or maybe it's because I might be able, like, I don't understand something. and I feel like I should understand something. I need to be clever or, or have learned this. And sometimes it's, I can't do this today. I might've been able to another day but I can't do it today or well, the right things aren't in place. But any of those situations, I think always boil down to just this sense of I should, I should be able to somehow get control back from this. And if I can't, oh my gosh, what do I do? Yeah, that is totally me, 100%. <laughs> it's that, I think it's that thing of like feeling like being in control is just, just outside your fingertips. And it's like, if I just stretched a little bit further, I'd grab it. Whereas if it's like, floated off into the distance it's like oh it's got like I just can't control that I'm never going to be able to get to it and you can't it feels easier to let it go whereas if you're like if I just stretched a bit further if I was just a little bit taller if I had just a little bit more help to like stand on someone's back and get it like then you that's it's that feeling of it being so close and yet not quite there yeah, it's like I feel like my soul has just been seen <laughs> because I'm totally that person and George will confirm this, that I will 
I'm thinking, if I just do that one more thing today, or if I just do that little bit extra, then that means X, Y, Z. When actually I totally could say, that's a thing that I'm just going to park and I'm going to pop that there for tomorrow, for example, to come back to. And I think, I think my boyfriend would definitely agree with that. He tells me <laughs> off for that a lot. <laughs> so what does it look like when your bucket is filling up? And how do other people notice that as well? Mm. I feel like I get really flighty. That's how it feels in my mind that I'm sort of like, and I can't quite grasp onto anything and I'm going here and I'm going there. Um, and I think I've probably just become a bit less me or oh, that sounds strange or the version of me that I want to be. Um, and maybe I could become a bit shorter or maybe I don't listen as well. Oh, <laughs> back is uh, crouching down. Um, yeah, and I, I think I'm just a bit less giving to myself and people around me. I think on reflection, and then usually I talk to someone. Usually my mum, I must admit. Um, I would give her a ring on the phone, and I'm much better now actually at um, noticing that I'm feeling that flighty feeling, and I just go, okay, I'm not just going to whiz around like this bucket full of stress I'm gonna call my lovely mum <laughs> and say uh, have you got a few minutes this is how I feel and usually by talking it out with someone then the bucket just halves it's like there's only holes in the bottom and it just pours out um yeah mm, yeah I'd say I'm quite similar um I definitely think it affects my sleep um and I am partial to a cry um, but yeah, and some it's sort of either like cry, slight can be a bit frustrated, or and I think I just generally become meaner to myself. And like, <laughs> um, but again, I call my poor mother, who's probably very <laughs> sick of listening to me. Um, but no, I have a fantastic relationship with her, and we just have a really good chat about it, and we talk it through, and we work out. I kind of then work out ways in which just what can I do now which will make me feel better and what can I sort of maybe you know maybe it might be that I work out how I'm going to make the next week or so work or basically working on a minute by minute day by day basis and trying to sort of plan those things out for myself so that I'm not feeling completely overwhelmed all in that that one moment but yes tears are definitely the thing for me um and sometimes I mean before I used to literally I mean at primary school I was the child who cried most days and like I definitely am a crier um and I've often really like been cross with myself for being that and sometimes I wish I didn't cry so easily because there have been situations where I cry and I'm like oh man that's so embarrassing but I definitely feel that the real positive is that um, I'm, I always very much have my emotions sort of happening there, then and on my sleeve and then I deal with them and then I move on. And it might be that I have to go through that process of like a, a few days in a row and that it's a bit of a rough week or whatever. But generally speaking, I'm kind of trying to work it out as I go rather than it becoming a ma massive, massive problem. Um, mm. that is I'm sort of kinder to myself on the whole crying thing now as well <laughs> I, I feel like my soul's been seen now because I'm such a crier I cry so I had to work out <clears throat> how to be able to stay in work situations if I was kind of confronted with something or I felt something and I started to cry I would feel so unprofessional mm. and I had to learn to give myself grace and to be able to say to 
my manager or whoever I'm kind of talking to I just need a second I am just quite an emotional person I do want to talk about this and I do want to work through it just give me a second um which was really hard to do because I just I instantly felt really unprofessional and but it was just that when I'm confronted with something emotionally I just I cry I burst into tears and I can't do anything about it um but it's hard it's hard to to let yourself be okay with being a crier and also that idea of what is professional as though we can just like shut off our emotions when we're at work and stop being fully human when we're at work and I know there are certain professions in which that's probably worse um but I think again one of the really great things that's come out of um Tom and Joe's work bottled have a drink um is is that thinking about actually what does it mean to be professional in a school setting what does it mean to be a really good teacher do you want teachers who are emotionally detached (laughs) from their own emotions well no because if you're really emotionally detached from yourself how can you be emotionally available for your kids um and again there are certain professions where I think the value of that is going to be more obvious but um I see a lot of things on like LinkedIn at the moment about um what professionalism means in terms of am I allowed to wear Mendy at work am I allowed to I've been told I can't wear my sari in a boardroom I've been told to cut my hair I've been told to do this and um and I think all of that is just challenging what it means to be acceptable in any given situation and yeah you just need to be able to be accepted as yourself um and that doesn't mean that yeah Sarah you just sit in the middle of your reception class and burst into tears or like have a little tantrum along with the three-year-olds um but it does mean that you are allowed to have emotions that you are allowed to let other people know that you have emotions yeah and that totally again links back to the emotional honesty of bottled have another drink shot, <laughs> shot, shot. down yeah in that you know particularly if you know you're with your class or in whatever profession you're in it's it's okay sometimes it's good for children young people people of all ages to see when you are showing that vulnerability of what you are feeling um as you say you don't want to say like a torrential downpour from your face but I think we could all use just accepting that openness of emotion around us and showing and seeing that and showing that and I think the world would be a different place arguably I think a a better place if Mm -hmm we could all be a bit more in tune with that and accepting of that from each other because then we might accept it from ourselves as well. Yeah, definitely. So what does it look like for you guys when your bottle, when your bottles, whoops, that wasn't <laughs> just to get everybody else to have another sip of tea. What does it look like for you when your bucket overflows? I think I feel just completely lost and helpless and the world kind of loses some of its kind of colour and vibrancy, kind of not being able to see the the wood for the trees as it were and just feeling kind of desperate and just not able to get yourself out of whatever mental hole you've just dug for yourself over however long and that's really where the, I'm so grateful for the people around me who can tell just by a look or the way that I might say something that I and sometimes you I haven't realized that myself that that's the place that I'm in because I've just been powering on I think probably, um, so yeah, when it's overflowing, it's it's when, so for example, like today or yesterday, one like if you felt like a little bit stressed or whatever, but you can still go about your daily 
you know, your bucket might be sort of filling up a bit, but you're kind of going through things, you're recognising your stress and you're kind of going along and you can also find joy in other moments of your day and you enjoy this cup of tea and you have a moment to yourself there or whatever. I'd say when my bucket's completely overflowing, I'm I'm being probably quite negative about all aspects, you know, oh, but this isn't proper relaxing because now I'm feeling still really stressed about this or like, I think it's probably when everything feels like I can't find the joy in in all of it um but I would say that for me that um that the speaking to people and usually it is my mum um that generally speaking for by the time I've got to bed I've sort of slightly sorted my bucket levels mm. out <laughs> I think I forget to breathe as well which as someone who plays a wind instrument I think I breathe in so much and then I just forget to breathe um and I think if I can just take a few really good breaths as I would in so much of my day when it's me with just me without my instrument then that that and a good cup of tea does sort a lot of mind fog out yeah it's about pausing isn't it sometimes it's literally just kind of putting like knowing that you're on some sort of runaway train and just finding a way to just like switch it or like jump off or something just pause and go hang on a minute but when you're in that really really stressed out particularly it just it's it drives you to just carry on again to try and fix it to that kind of it's just out of my grasp I just need to continue down this road but there is an end to this and it's that moment of realizing if I can pause I can realize there is no end and I can almost choose whether to get back on again but what you were saying George just really made me think of is that Meredith Brooks song that just starts with I hate the world today (laughs) that is that is 100% me and so like I know now that I just have to say to my husband like I hate everything today like nothing is okay I hate everything everything is going to make me grumpy you cannot do anything correct um and now he just goes like okay but but then immediately as I've said that we can laugh about it so instead of me then getting genuinely angry or stressed about things like I might still get angry and stressed and snappy but we also then um have you seen that Brené Brown video about blame um and she's talking about how she like drops a, a a mug in the kitchen or something and it splashes everywhere and she manages to backtrack that somehow somewhere in the last like day or something um her husband did something that might have then meant that this wouldn't happen if he'd have put the coffee somewhere different I can't remember what it was but so she drops this coffee down her and she just goes damn you Steve or something (laughs) and and again now when I'm in that place I'm like I hate everything I'm going to be blaming everybody for everything Jace just goes blooming Steve and again it just (laughs) well like you said earlier when you say it out loud and it seems silly it's not that you are silly but you go yeah this thought process at the moment is not helping me and you just need a little bit of softness kindness humor something to just knock it a bit off track but I think sometimes it's the duality isn't it it's the validation and then the perspective so when you talk to somebody who knows you and you and you trust they can somehow manage to do both the validation of what you're feeling and then give you the perspective and I think it is incredible how in one conversation someone can go you're absolutely right to feel like this. You're also ridiculous. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I really um, agree with you there, though, how important it is, because sometimes you do just need somebody to understand and agree that it's okay to be feeling like that mm-hmm. um, and that you can't just brush it off and have as good vibes as you were saying earlier. It's that thing of, like, actually, it's okay um, that you're feeling this this rubbish 
and I'm with you kind of thing that's so important that's something that's really helped me in my mental health um when things have maybe been a bit rockier is to say to my to myself or my thoughts thank you for bringing that to my attention I understand why you feel like that it's okay you know even with performance anxiety and whatever is that is thank you for bringing that to my attention body and mind um I, I know why you feel like that. It's okay that you feel like that, but we don't need that just now. And we're just going to pop that there and we're just going to, and, and that really just gives me a bit of greater clarity. I think mm. that's really helped me the past couple of years. That is an, a wonderful example of what we'd call a diffusion technique. Um, it's that learning how to relate to your thoughts and feelings differently rather than being at war with them or trying to massively change them at all. Um, I also think, you know, to say it's all, it's, it's okay that you're feeling the way that you're feeling actually it doesn't matter if it's okay or not you can't change the fact you are like once the feelings there are feelings there um you can definitely think um because i think that we conflate it's okay to be feeling how you are with it's understandable why you're feeling the way that you are and sometimes we can absolutely understand it but we're super complex so we talk about this bucket analogy and sometimes it's useful to go in and go well what's been filling up your bucket recently oh it makes so much sense now we talk about it isn't it of course that thing really bothered you today because you've been dealing with this all week and sometimes we'll go there's so much stuff in there I have absolutely no idea and that's okay as well it's it you how you feel you don't need permission because nobody is ever going to be able to unpick every tiny little drop in your bucket and go, oh, I completely understand everything that is going on for you. Exactly what even when we say we understand, we don't really understand. We're just doing our best job. We don't need the understanding to give the permission to give the validation. We just need that blanket acceptance that feelings are feelings somewhere. This will make sense. And you don't need to know why. Hmm. Linking in with that kind of talking to somebody that you trust. And we talked about this a bit in terms of ways to relax, but kind of what things help to empty your buckets? <laughs> um, I think um, we've already mentioned sort of speaking to friends, family. Um, that's probably the biggest one for me. Um, and then um, I think often sometimes thinking and looking back to the basics about like, what do you need to feel okay? And actually often that is more likely you're probably tired and not actually getting enough sleep so maybe thinking about sleep um trying to make sure that you um give yourself time for me doing a bit of exercise whether that's a walk or run or um or whatever um yeah I, I think going to the basic back to the basics and doing those little things that that you know make you feel good um that would be my yeah very similar to george speaking to family and friends and sleep are the big ones so many times I'll speak to my family and a lot of it will, I'll go I'll realize that I just need a lot of sleep right now this is happening possibly in part because I've not been looking after myself or sleeping as much as my body needs me to right now and then linked to that I suppose is is food if I create that bit of mental space and then make myself a a really nice meal that I enjoy and you know maybe it's a meal that takes a bit longer so I can just go with the motions of stirring the pot um I think that helps me what do you do to empty your buckets together mm. Mm. it's so funny because so much of the time one of us will appear at the other's doorstep and we can just tell where you're at that day mm. and then we'll come in and we'll enter this you know this thought stream this word vomit of 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 that look and then we'll go 
gosh, I'm so sorry. I've just been tired in 10 I, minutes oh. and I haven't said hello. How are you? And then we'll have a little hug. And we go, it's completely fine. Please get it out. And we're really good at that. Yeah, no, we definitely. But I mean, um, Ellie and I sort of, we met, didn't we, at the beginning of our month. We so many we good partnerships as, as do. friends do. But, um, but then we really started because it was all COVID and stuff. And so we couldn't see each other in a normal way working on the bottle project was sort of like the thing which we were which connected us initially in our friendship so um having emotionally honest conversations has kind of um been like a real big part of our friendship so it does mean that we are able to just uh yeah have a good natter about what's going on a cup of tea always having a a cup of tea. George laughs at me because as soon as she walks in I'll say do you want a brew yeah so we just have a good cup of tea (laughs) so northern I know, yeah. but tea does, tea is wonderful. Tea makes yeah. the world go round. Yeah. <laughs> that must be why I'm so stressed out as a general person, because I don't drink tea. And I never used to drink coffee either, and then Sarah forced me to like it. So thanks, that's exactly what I needed, more caffeine, more energy, <laughs> more yeah, jitteriness. I've never got into coffee, but I think as a general rule, especially when I'm back home, if you don't have a cup of tea on the go, then you've got one, you know, waiting to be boiled and presented to you. The, oh, it's just a chain of just drinking tea. I joke about the fact that I drink six half cups of tea during the school oh, terrible. day. Yeah, because, I, well, because we make it, it gets put on the side, and then it goes cold, and I can't drink cold tea. So, and I'm not a microwave mug. <laughs> That's a real tiny either. mug. That's a real because again, something that my my boyfriend will that is his biggest pet peeve with me. I think is that he'll make me very lovingly an ice cream of tea, and I'll drink half of it. And he's like, why you love tea? Why can you not drink? Is it, is it because actually tea is just dirty water and we're all no, just pretending we like not. it? Be- <laughs> Becca's biggest pet peeve with me is when I leave the like the bottom like like half inch of either tea or coffee or frankly I'm any sorry, drink. Half inch is not a problem because Jace occasionally does that. But you frequently leave half a cup. No, it's no. not just, you can't just blame this Steven, on school. You leave it lying around and then Steven, forget about Steven's it. noticed it as well and he hates it too. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to start making you a smaller cup of coffee or a smaller cup of tea and see if you still end up leaving a bit. We will. It's just a lot. It does not matter the size of the receptacle. It, it's just how we live our lives. Well, girls, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, spending time with you and chatting about mental health and your stories and your buckets. And it's just a joy to see your faces again. Tell people where can they find you online and what are you working on and explain what you are freelancing. Um, I'll do where you can find us. Um, We are on most social medias at All Us Duo um, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter and uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well for some um, performances. Uh, You can watch the whole bottled uh, weekend. We did a little vlog of that which is great fun. Um, so we're kind of we're everywhere <laughs> to think. And what do you do? I you say what you do. Oh yes. Um, so I play the flute and I teach instrumental and theory lessons. Um, we do a lot of work together. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just become live music now musicians in Wales, mm-hmm. which uh, we are absolutely thrilled about. So that means that we're going to be working in uh, participatory music settings in um, care homes where people living with dementia and in schools where there are um, pupils with special educational needs. So that's really exciting 
Um, yeah, and also work. live music now are really, really interested in bottled. They really want to, they really want to be working with us on that. So, so we're really excited. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for for future things about that. Um, I also do bits of admin work as well for a couple of musicians. Um, I think that's kind of me. Uh, and your teaching? Did you already say that? I did say that. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So a mixture of all those things. <laughs> well, Ellie not only teaches the flute, but has now become a pro at teaching the violin. Yeah. So I've been morning. teaching some um, beginner string projects. So my open strings violin is quite something to behold. Um, it's a whole class instrumental tuition, which I love because we we do a lot of we sing a lot of songs. We learn about rhythm and instruments, and we listen to a lot of music. So it's a lot of musicianship. Uh, bass learning as well as for me the challenge of learning some, another horizontal instrument but um but I mean, know. it fills me with great I mean I really salute to you for doing that <laughs> <laughs> um and I um and I yeah so I I have um various sort of private pupils with two I teach the guitar and then I also teach in in a school um which is great and and yeah as I say we're doing our live music um now stuff coming up soon so we're really excited about that <laughs> amazing honestly do check the girls out they are just fantastic it was I think a genuinely magical moment when they started to play at the bottles launch um me and Sarah I think had like had so much excitement and so many emotions about going and meeting everybody um and as soon as you guys started playing we both just started crying <laughs> um we both just kept looking at each other like <sighs> and it was lovely um and it was it was just it was just absolutely beautiful you girls are amazing um we really really appreciate your time oh, thank you so much Yes, yeah great. it's lovely to see you again and we are just thrilled that the work I'm gonna say one more time that we've done with bottled mm. has brought the two of you into yeah. our lives um thank you so much for everything that you do for yeah, the world you. <laughs> um, you're wonderful oh. and one more thing um bottled <laughs> one last time bottled <laughs> bottled thank you everyone for bottling um we will um see you next bottle with our next bottle <laughs> thanks everyone i can't see i can't even say my real words thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next month with our next guest bye bye thank you for listening to a drop in the bucket if you want to connect with us on social media you can find us on instagram at drop in the bucket pod or twitter at drop bucket pod alternatively you could email us on drop in the bucket pod at gmail.com it would be great to hear from some of you about what fills and empties your bucket or any questions that you might have for us or our future guests. <laughs>